Rule number one of staying alive in the shed. He always wins. What is it like to be in the orbit of a serial killer? In The Quiet Tenant, novelist Clémence Michelon tells the story of a serial killer from the perspectives of the women in his life, his daughter, his girlfriend, and the woman he has been keeping in his shed for years. You will be holding your breath until the last page. Read The Quiet Tenant, available in hardcover, ebook, and audiobook now. <laughs> it would be a war spot, eh? Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Wolf Fancast. Uh, Richard Hobbs here, joining you uh, for today's show. We've got little Dan, we've got Kim, we've got Andy. Um, before I forget uh, to mention, we are now part of the 90 Min uh, Football um, Family Network. Uh, great to be part of it. As always, um, for those who haven't yet heard our new theme tune, that was it. It was done by uh, Pogman, who is a big Wolves fan and a local artist as well, so make sure you're supporting his stuff. Now, on to the football. I can't remember. We're going to go right into the Spurs game. We will talk about transfer stuff, and we're going to talk Man U, and we're also going to do Christopher Swell, guys. So, lot to talk about in today's show, and we want to get right into the Spurs game to start with, because it's been a weird feeling for me. That I can't remember the last time I was so happy in a performance, like almost over 90 minutes of how Wolves played, but we also lost. We didn't create enough meaningful chances to score so a lot of conflicting emotions around the game so i'm really kind of keen to hear everybody's thoughts on it um ball started the game great um i don't think there's much point talking about the lineup because it was pretty much what everyone expected but there was a key incident uh, very early on in the game with the Delhi alley penalty we've had a lot of debate online about what everyone thought of it i'm going to go to andy first about what you thought about the penalty um, for Deli Ali. Um, at the time, did you think it was a penalty? And on review, did you change your mind change at all? It's a tough one. Um, at the time, I thought he did clip him. It looked like they were quite close together. It was difficult to tell. And obviously, we're I'm sat in the South Bank, so I'm behind the keeper. So you don't get quite a very good view at it. I did think that he caught him, but then when I've seen the video back a few times, Deli Ali seems to hang a leg and initiate the contact, which I thought the changes in the soft foul was to stop that sort of thing happening. So I'm properly divided on this. I can see an argument both ways, to be perfectly honest, which isn't helpful at all, I, I realise. No, nothing, nothing better than sitting on the fences there. Dan, you're not exactly one to sit on the fence. Um, again, did you sway at all or were you kind of fairly... Because I, I saw it on the first year and thought he has tried to back out, but he has still kind of gone through him a little bit. What what did you sort of think? Yeah, Andy, where Andy sits, he can see the top of my bald head. So we, we've got the same sort of view in the safe bank. I think everyone's reaction from our side seemed to suggest that it was a penalty. But when you look back at the replays and 
I just think Deli Ali's con the referee like Robert Perez used to do, just left his leg in, no mm. one get contact. I only ever got booked three times in Sunday League, and one was for doing that exact same thing. I got booked for diving, booked for descent, and booked for in- encroachment of the pitch after being substituted. He's it- con the ref. But that's that's the, that's Premier League football. If you give if you give a referee like Stuart Atwell a pair of erection, he'll grab hold of it. It's <laughs> <laughs> a fucking image and a half. That is. He <laughs> does. Yeah, um, he was throbbing to put the whistle in his mouth. <laughs> I'm trying to figure a nice segue to bring Kim into this conversation without it being really, really awkward. So, Kim, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to continue. From, from no, I, I don't think we all we all do, but we will persevere. <laughs> um, I was going to say, going off Dan's point a bit, I think what struck me is it took me a few viewings from it, but Delhi Ali had like no intentions of doing anything but winning a penalty for me. Like he, he wasn't yeah. trying. He wasn't trying around with goal. But it's still a penalty, though, isn't it? In yeah. this day and age, even though he clearly looks for it, Saar comes rushing out. So there's only one. There's only one outcome, really. I think in that situation, I thought it was a penalty at the time, and now I've literally just watched the all the highlights again. Yeah, I think you can't say it's not a penalty. It's just. A sad state of affairs that players go down and try and look for the contact. So there's contact, but I just think it's, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, I think um, my sort of loftier, more high ground about what footballers should and shouldn't do, which is, you know, a tall order. Like, I know we're, we're, we're going to talk about trial rate, um, let's be honest. But when he went through one on one, all he wanted to do was shoot. And now Troyer's got the ability to dribble past every player in the, in the league if he wanted to. But his thought wouldn't isn't I'm gonna try and win a penalty here and essentially try and get a goalkeeper sent off. Because that's that's gonna happen, surely, if you know he's, he's gonna get booked at the very mm. at the very least. And you know, whether that's Deli Ali having, you know, a bit being able to process the information in the in the situation quicker than someone like Traore or, or what? I don't know. It, it, yeah, it just stinks a bit for me um, that, that that's his attitude, to, you know, because he's, he's a good footballer and he's got the ability to just try to um, score or round the goalkeeper rather than, you know, make sure he gets, you know, play between ball and keeper and get a foul. But I, I know it was only, what, about four minutes afterwards. Um, Samedo goes down in the box and... I said at the time, and in the slight heat of the moment, if um, it was at, was it, it was Stuart Atwell, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, the, the power rector himself. Um, that if he doesn't give one five minutes before, he probably gives that one because I can't quite see why it's not a penalty if we're talking about players going down easily. Um, he wants to sort of jump in first and sort of say, I'm, "I was overreacting." There was there wasn't enough as a, a, enough of a touch, was there? For that, no. I don't think you can't. He, he does can't goes across his leg, but he goes down, doesn't he? So easily. I think yeah. somebody has poor touch doesn't get that penalty for him. I think he's just knocked it way too ahead of him, and it, like I said on Twitter, look, look back to the Euros. 
we, England were so fortunate to get a penalty for the Raheem Sterling challenge against Denmark, in my opinion. If, but if that was a penalty, then surely ours was yesterday. Yeah, and like you've just said about Samedo's poor touch, is what's cost him the penalty. If you look at Deli Ali's touch, he's knocked it 10 yards to the side to nobody in his team. So we were going to get the ball back. And really, the contact is similar. Like, there's not a lot of contact in either of them. They've sort of manufactured the contact slightly themselves. So, for me, if you give him one, you've got to give the other. I just think they're very comparable fouls. And I do think it is a foul at the end of the day. He's cut across the player and took him down. There's no way that... I can't remember who it was for Spurs, but there's no way they're getting onto that. Right. There's no way he's getting onto the ball there, whereas Samedo's got a chance of actually getting there. So, for me, I, I thought it was a penalty. So the other point was that that probably gets given nine times out of ten outside the area as well. Mm, totally. Yeah, I think if I think if it's almost like Samadio's knocked the ball, if he's in his own box and he's knocking it almost, I guess towards the right hand touch line because that's where he would naturally go. And a player came across him like that and he went down lightly, it would probably get given as a foul in the defensive mm. third of the pitch and. Yeah, it, it, it's like contact. You know, I, I can't make any bones about it. There wasn't a huge amount in it. It was a bit across his body, you know, with Skip kind of trying to protect the ball. But if I this wasn't Wolves, you lot wouldn't be saying that as a penalty. If it was another team, I also made the comment on Twitter. Uh, there's only one person who gave me like a, a decent reply. Was I don't think there's a Wolves player in our squad that tries to manufacture the penalty like Deli Ali did yesterday. Yeah. Someone mm. said Odin's, but that's just clutching for me. I think that kind of touches onto my point I made about Traore when he goes through one-on-one, that De- Dali- Deli Ali's assessed that situation. It's come through onto his weaker foot. He's already kind of not... He's half-backed. He's not scoring from that opportunity once no. he's passed off. It's and, too tough to angry. Dyson Cody on the line. Yeah. And and he's not got anyone really to pass to, uh, which is why Andy said, you know, he's kicked it sideways. He's not kicked it in any way to go round the goalkeeper. Whereas, let's say, we have a similarish opportunity where a player going one on one who shoots and, you know, doesn't, it's not a great shot. But I don't know. I, I think it was an interesting, interesting decision making from, from Ali and also, I guess, from Samedo to the same degree. But you know what? Last season, I think if that happens to Wolves, um, you know, call it in March time, I think we crumble a bit. Whereas, and we had a good start to the game. We're moving the ball really quickly. We had that energy that you want to see at Molyneux. We're full crowd. Um, you know, we, we, we need to sort of highlight. Um, but they stayed really positive throughout, um, particularly in the first half. We 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 ran it. Um, uh, I, I almost don't know about which player to start because the link at play, the aggression of getting the ball, um, you know, when it was getting on the halfway line and making sure their defender, their midfielders couldn't get ball to feet and stuff like that was incredible. Um, I, I guess sort of the first player um, I'll talk about it, it is Adama Traore because he had a few chances in the first half. He scuffed one to the corner flag after he sort of beat two men. How are we all enjoying him playing on the left, cutting in more? Because he seems to be getting more action and more involved. But does it highlight his strengths, but also his weaknesses, would you say, Andy? Uh, it, it does a bit because he's got there in his locker to, as you say, put it out for a throw-in rather than 
get a shot on target. But he's exciting. Like, I mean, let's be honest, every time he got the ball, the crowd was buzzing. He gets people on their feet, and that's kind of what you want in a player. And I think if you put him on the right, him and Samedo, we saw for large portions of last season, didn't work as a, a pairing. So I think you get the best out of both players by having them on opposite wings, personally. Yeah, I think, um, you know, with, with, with Trinkau as well, who had an up-and-down game, I think it, he started really brightly and then dropped off, which is going to happen with a young player. It's going to happen with a new player. Um, and it's going to happen with, you know, with the greatest respect of foreign player as well a lot of the time. But, it, you know, you're gonna he's going to level off. Um, but Troy kind of stayed throughout. And he was a menace. Um, I mean, ironically today, he's been linked with a loan move of all things to Spurs um, with 40 million in the bag. Dad... Do you agree with Stu that we should get rid of him? <laughs> I think what Andy just said, just when Adama's on the ball, he's the only sort, he's, he's, the, he's the X factor of our team currently, isn't he? Everything sort of goes through him. We can, we can all, we can all um, talk for days on how poor his end product is. I mean, that, that Jody Craddock stat that Stu put up was damning of Adama. I'm not... <laughs> No one wants Jody Craddock playing on the wing for Wolves, but I think the, the, the key point what Stu was trying to make was that for a winger of how many appearances he's had for Wolves now, his, his output just isn't where it needs to be. I, I like him on the left wing. I think he's, he's got more of a dynamic to him now. I think when he's on the right wing, he's just knock it past the defender on the right and try and telegraph across him, whereas now I think he's got the variety of going on the outside where he thinks he's comfortable using his left and... Obviously, if he goes on the inside, then he's got a, ch- a chance to get a shot away, which I think is a massive benefit for Wars. But unless it's a, you know, it all depends on whether Harry Kane goes to Man City. But if, if Man City are going to pay £160 million, pay, which apparently uh, Daniel Levy wants, then as far as I'm concerned, we, we, we want at least 70 for Adama. If they've got that sort of money in the bank, I don't think it's worth that sort of money. But if they're going to be paying that sort of money for selling Harry Kane for that value, then we should be fleecing Cashing them. In. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a huge level of like brinkmanship, isn't it? Because you know, essentially, there will there's about four clubs waiting for that money to trickle in. Theory, including Wolves, if you know it goes Kane to City, Adama to Spurs, or whoever to Spurs, and God, you're going to see the trickle down economics of of football in action. Um, I mentioned Trincao on the other side um, of our you know particularly coiffed um, right winger Kim. What did you think of him? Um, are you sort of pleased or encouraged of what we've seen so far of him? He's, he's, he seems to do it okay in patches, but then kind of, I say, goes very quiet, which isn't exactly what you want from, you know, your star winger. I'm going to just take this back a point to back to Adama because I don't think that having Trinkau on the pitch is actually helping Adama because yeah. everything's obviously going through Adama. If we had Neto on the other wing, then they couldn't double, triple up on Adama because they've got to watch Neto. They've got, you know, if we had a front three of Raul, um, Neto and Traore, then we're not as one-dimensional. At the moment, Trincao, I mean, he looks a bit lightweight for me. Um, Hmm. He's obviously got something about him. I'm not, I don't want to just write him off right now, but... I don't know. I think he's too lightweight. He needs to walk up. And again, as as ever, there's no end product, is there, at the moment? Um, so I'm not going to write him off, but I just think 
ideally you'd want him on the bench with Neto coming on. Um, and what will be interesting to see is if Pudence comes back and goes straight into the team or will Pudence have to wait his turn um, and, and has Truncao got the shirt? Now, for me, I don't think he's done enough to to really state his claim in the first team. He's just in there because at the moment we don't have anyone else that's fit to, to replace him. So it'll be interesting to see um, when Pudence comes back, if he actually sort of, you know, comes back straight into the team or not. Yeah, I think you make an interesting point that he's kind of playing a bit out of necessity. I think mm. definitely on paper and what we've seen so far, I, I, Neto is a far more developed player than Trincao. Um, and, you know, you're completely right. If players are doubling up on uh, Troy, he got some treatment, didn't he? It, it, always against Spurs, whether it's under M- Mourinho or under Nuno, don't go on, it's the only way you can sort of stop him. But some of the fouls, particularly in the first half, it was a bit just silly, if you ask me. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you've raised a good point on Podence as well. I mean, he's back in training, but sim- similar to someone like Marcel, um, you know, he, he can't really put a run of games together. Um, but, you know, I, I think it was definitely sort of promising first half. Um, Jimenez had a couple of chances as well and it does feel like we're it's not even that we're making the wrong decisions too much from the final third would you say but it's just that finishing that we're missing out on um, that Dan I mean Jimenez it's pretty well established he's come back from a major injury um, thoughts on his sort of first two games so far because he had a couple of chances and at the, one in the first half where he kind of it just went over the bar but he didn't Seemed like he st- struck the ball with that much conviction for me in the same way he did a- a- 18 months ago or, you know, well, not even that, a year ago. Um, at, what do you think he's, you know, ha- how happy are you with Jimenez at the moment? It's, it's difficult to say, really, with Jimenez. I, I still think he's... I don't think he's got any hesitation putting himself about. I mean, he, he threw no. himself no. a few challenges yesterday. Uh, I just think he needs that competitive goal just to really, like, Giving that confidence that he's properly back. Um, he, he said himself that he feels ready to, to go at it week and week out, but I just think he's just missing that that one full capacity crowd goal just to give him that uh, that bit of space, jam zest that he's still the same player he was before the injury. See, it's so funny. Saying, he had the chances yesterday, but I just think he just, need, he just needs one to hit the net. I think the goal in pre-season against Stoke was just a tapping for him. I think he just needs that one goal just to set him apart, to give him that bit of extra confidence. I was going to say, it's funny you mentioned Space Jam, um, because it brings on a interesting thought I had, was I'm really loving Paul's movement at the moment and how they're creating space for a player to have that final shot. Um, whether it's from set pieces, because they tried it a couple of different set piece moves from short corners or whatever to kind of open up space and in open play as well. It's worked really nicely. Really nicely. Um, a uh, bit like a in bit basketball. Like Problem, Problem is... is um, um, <sighs> I, can't, I just can't remember my thought for a second. Yeah, so... Pro- Problem is that we need Jimenez on the end of those chances, not Triore, because... If you're getting Troy, if you're getting Jimenez eight ten yards out from goal, he's got a much better chance of um, scoring than Troy. It felt like a lot of the movements were designed to get him in 
play for me. Andy, without going down a um, Looney Tunes Space Jam analogy, <laughs> um, do you think that's not massively helping? It's good that the movement everything is trying to get as many players involved as possible. I, I do like that, but you are right. Like our best two chances in the last two games have fallen to the forward, who's probably the least equipped to put them away, which is a big frustration. Um, just to go back a little bit to Dan's point about Jimenez, I do feel with Jimenez, he's just lacking that little bit of composure. He's snatching at the chances that he's getting currently. Whereas Jimenez of 12 to 18 months ago, he's quite confident to take an extra touch, take a player on and then put it in. Or, you know, whereas you look at the chances that he's had and he's hitting them first time when he possibly needs to just take that breath and then put it in, I think is the, the thing with him. But you are right. You don't want it falling to Trey or right when the, you know, when the cards are on the line, you want it to be someone who's got that composure to put it in the back of the net. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Kim, just rounding off Jimenez, uh, you sort of have the same thought that it will come. He seems to be in the right headspace. That doesn't really seem to be the issue. It's just getting him off and running again. Yeah, I think... I don't considering the amount of chances that we've been creating though, how many of them are proper clear cut tra- chances for Raul? Like the clear cut yeah. chances, as we've said, they're falling to Adama, the player that we don't want them to fall to. But then again, Raul's never gonna be in that position, is he? He's not gonna like speed past about five players and put it in. So it's a bit of a you can't really compare because they're completely different players. So I think once we get on this easier fixture run, which is, I believe is coming up, where we've got Watford, Brentford, Southampton, Newcastle, Villa, Leeds, Everton, Palace, West Ham, Norwich, like you could go on. Great um, reading. Great to know those off the top of your head, Kim. I, good, isn't it? What a memory. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like this really easy, easy fixture run is going to be coming up. And I think, you know, there'll be more clear-cut chances for Raul. So, for me, it's not a concern. He'll easily get 10-plus goals this season and probably more. So Yeah. I was going to say, um, but I was going to say, a couple more players, I'm sort of interested to sort of pick your bones over, guys. But um, Kim just raised a valid point that our first three games, we all knew on paper were going to be tricky. We've lost two out of two. There's a relatively good chance we might lose to Man United at the weekend as well. Are we all still, and it's just a very quick yes or no, I guess, to be honest, guys. are we all still confident in, that the performances are going to reflect results after, let's say, six games or eight games? Because it does feel like we could lose quite a few games this season, like we have done, but it also feels like if we're on form, we're going to knock four or five past the team this season for me. And that sounds really arrogant when you're 0 for 2, but there's something about what we're doing here that's given me a good amount of confidence, um, but reflecting on two games ain't quite enough. So is everyone still relatively positive in Bruno Ball? Yes or no, uh, Dan? Yes. Andy? I'm not doing my pointing very well here for the uh, <laughs> YouTube listeners. Uh, totally, 100%. And Kim? Well... After both, no, hang on, don't worry, I am, but I'm just going to make my point that after being in the ground and after both games, I just really don't, I hate losing. However, you don't even after remember, a week, you're pissed. 
So that's what I mean. So then when I rewatched both Leicester and Tottenham, especially Tottenham, I thought, yeah, this we are so much better. We, you know, we're really trying to get that first tackle in and really, you know, get the tempo high and really, you know, go for it. So yeah, basically, yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I am just really hopeful that the. Um... You know the players still kind of have that confidence and belief because if that drops off, we won't be making those first tackles on the halfway line and biting ankles. And that that will, for me, that's going to be the first sign that they're starting to lose faith because they won't have the intensity anymore. Um, but two players who did have that intensity for me on Sunday um, were Neves and Marcel. Um, I mean, Neves, he's. Feels like a man reborn. He's got like a new lease of life. Um, it, he seems to be bloody everywhere, as opposed to just sort of patrolling the centre circle now. Um, I don't know whether it's for longer hair, a new manager. Um, pick your theories, but he, we, we've been crying out for this. Like, I, I guess all action midfielder, someone who can get forward and whatever, but. Dan, do you reckon that we don't really need that type of player if we've got Neves doing what he's doing and we always need a replacement to kind of sit a bit further back and be a destroyer, quote-unquote? Because Neves just seems to be able to do a bit of everything now and it's fantastic. So it's him popping out wide occasionally and stuff like that. Either we haven't been offered a good enough bid for him or... Jorge Mendes has got his family captured and he won't let him leave Wolves. <laughs> <laughs> because he's just still not being a Wolves. So he's that head and shoulders above everything that we've got. If we sell him or Adama this transfer window and don't replace them adequately, then I've, I've lost faith in the project because there are two key players for me at the moment. I think Neves is, like I just said, head and shoulders above everything. He seems to be on form. Whether he's been... Um, promise that the project's still going to go the way that he needs to and maybe he's the future captain if Cody leaves. I don't, I don't know what else it could be. I don't know why he's still here. He's that good. Yeah, I mean, again, we're judging off two games, but even in pre-season, he just seems to have just found that gear, which we all knew he had, and he hasn't quite shown it in the Premier League um, to the consistency that we want. But this feels like the Neves that we thought we were going to see in our first season after we had that, you know, glorious championship season. Um, I guess my question is, and, and we, we will talk transfer rumours later, Kim, do you see Neves being here in September? You're on mute, Kim. <laughs> Just realised. <laughs> I said he because I think we're, we're in we're in a whole lot of bother if he does go because he's literally running games again back to like he was in the championship as you say um so i'd like to think he will be i mean if he goes anywhere i can see him going to man united still um but i'd like to think that i think i'd like to think he's standing will and i think he is a future wolves captain hopefully um, I can definitely see him and Matinho actually working quite well together. I thought Matinho had a pretty, pretty good game yeah. as well until he came off. But I don't feel like they're trying to do the same job anymore. Um, you know, even Matinho was, you know, they were both dictating play, keeping the tempo up. And, 
yeah I, I don't I'm I wouldn't be as worried now if we didn't sign a centre midfielder if we kept Neves and Matinho in January you'd still like to see that sort of different sort of dimension come into midfield but I wouldn't be as worried as long as we we hold on ne- Neves that's the priority really over signing a new one I think yeah no I, I can see that he just seems to be giving us that's something that we've been missing so long and I think we could probably all relatively argue that he's had it all along and he's been restricted by coaching and tactics yeah now, 100%, 100% that yeah I don't know um, whether he was demoralised under Nuno or he had literally all his eyes on the Euros come the back end of that last season. That's mm-hmm. what I'm seeing to thinking now. That because like his energy was nowhere near where it was in these compared to these recent games, the back end of last season. I was saying it was because he was completely shagged after having all these kids and stuff. But <laughs> I, I, I genuinely think now, in hindsight, he just had his eyes on the Euros and that was it. Yeah, I, I, it. it I really don't know whether it's just he said the amount of football he was trying to save himself, whether he's just a bit done in. Um, and we've all been there. I know it, it's it's difficult to sell, but he, as I say, I'm enjoying every minute of him at the moment. Now, Andy, I know for a fact that Marcel is your type of player. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was the only thing missing in his game is the crossing. Everything else that he does is fantastic and he's an absolute shitbag. Like, I, I fully appreciate someone who is going to tread on someone's toes when the ref isn't looking. And that's the kind of player he is. I love how he was like, he was snappy to the tackle. He didn't let anyone bully him. And let's be honest, he's five foot nothing. He's fucking tiny. And he's up against some big blokes and he was giving them as good as he was getting. If he was a few years younger, like I, we could have been onto a hell of a player. It's a shame that we've picked him up at the, the tail end of his career. But I was really, really impressed with him yesterday. And obviously, we've only really seen him on TV prior to this because of everything over the last 12, 18 months. So a little bit of me was thinking, is this the kind of player that we're going to be relying on all season? But if we are going to be relying on him all season, I think I'll be okay with that now, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean... it. He he gives me the impression he could be an absolute heel if he needed to be. Mm. And, you know, yeah, he was snapping into tackles, but he was winning them. It yeah. wasn't like, you know, he was going through it. Like, I, I get frustrated at Cody sometimes when he presses quite high up the pitch, um, under Nuno, should we say, and he give away a foul on the halfway line just because he kind of close them down too much and go through the back of them. Marcel was doing that to, like, Son but was winning the ball and then clearing him out afterwards. And the mm. amount of times I saw Son just on his ass or um, Lucas Moore or whoever. And it was just like, th- that was almost the catalyst for how Wolves were playing for me. Like he was the one who was setting that um, tempo and that aggressive mentality. And, you know, I think it's just a question of whether he can play more than six games in a row, whatever. That's the worry, isn't it? You know, I don't, I don't know how many games he actually played last season, um, but it didn't feel like, you know, he strung 10, 10 games in a row, which, you know, is what we need. And he's keeping a really good left-back outside as well. Yeah. Nate Nori, so, I, I thought you know. it was telling that he took off Sice and not Marcel. Yeah. And, and Sice, I thought, had a, you know, a solid enough game as he usually does, but I of the two, I would have thought he would have stuck with Sice just because he's the old general. But 
So mm. I think that that speaks a lot about what Bruno thinks about Marcel. Yeah, he seems he, he he does kind of. I was going to say he does seem to be that player who could be a bit of a general on the pitch. So like he's the one who's sort of setting the tempo and the one who's kind of, you know, he's a bit all action. He's got a lot of energy about him. Let's say if he can prove that cross and that sort of yeah. end, end pass. Fantastic, and I think that's where someone like a young gate noise probably got the beating of him to a degree. Um, that goes so, the same for Samada, though, as well, doesn't it? Yeah, I just don't understand why we aren't crossing the ball better. That's another reason why we're literally not scored this season. I can't, I can count, I think, on one hand the amount of crosses I've done. Yeah, and, and, and in a way, I, I like Troy playing on the on the left and trink out to a degree, but it seems to kind of slow their ability to get in across. And, you know, we, we've got a fantastic centre forward in Jimenez who can be that number nine in the box. You put in a good ball to him. And it, I like Samedo, but say his main attribute isn't getting in across from the flank. Um, so I know hopefully between them, if the idea is for those wing backs to bomb forward, you know, like we know they can do to work on those cutbacks for somebody like Nevis to pick it up on the edge of the box and, and you know, do his thing. Um, let me just quickly dissect all what you three have just said there and let me just put you right, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm frustrated because I'm hearing this and reading this regularly on Twitter. Our formation is costing us when we get into these good areas and fullback because we play three up front. We're relying on Jimenez to be on every single cross. Adama and Trinko ain't like... Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rashford, who could play down the middle. They're not natural strikers for me, uh, Adama and Trinkau, the creators. So when a ball comes in the box for me, they just don't know where to be instinctively. And mm. it's a good point, going, that is. Though. Going back to sort of Marcel, and I mean, I've been listening to you, you know, my mind it works really weirdly. Marcel, to me, he's a bit like Ben Shepard on telly. He's just, you know what, I get solid it. Solid presenter, does all the basics right. But he'll never present X Factor or one of the big shows. He'll always be in middle of the road. <laughs> nice TV shows. There's all the bikes. This basically, but he's reliable. He's a nice, safe pair of hands, and that's why Sais got took off instead of him because he just does all the basics right for me, uh, Marcel. And I think I'll be saying it for a while with a good preseason behind him. It, it could be a, a, um, a contender for player of the season if he has a really good season. I just think. All he needed was a good preseason from behind him. Everyone forgets that he joined us late under Nuno because he played for like Leon in the latter stage of the Champions League. Yeah, he did. Yeah, getting on a bit in age, so he started picking up a bit of a few little niggly injuries at the start of the season, and he couldn't get into the runner games. So I, I still think he could be a contender for Player of the Season this year because he's that solid all round. And no, I think where you go, folks. No, I, I think um, the Brazilian Ben Shepherd is a fantastic <laughs> shout and. All- almost certainly be the name of the show unless we see what happens in the next half an hour but just to round up the Spurs game uh just a quick one round the room who was everyone's man of the match um I'm gonna start because well I'm a massive egotist and I'm gonna go for Neves uh Kim what about you same Neves for me Andy yeah Neves he ran the show didn't he Dan, are you going to go four for four? Have you got someone else in mind? Um, Adama's still my man of the match. I know he probably cost us the game again by missing that big chance, but just that one instance, I think it was Saar just booted the ball up and he just 
he literally controlled it on on his shoulder, bounced the defender off. And I'm literally looking at my dad who's saying, oh, I, I think we should sell him for 40 million. Like, hey, why would you want to sell someone who can just literally do that all on his own? I know like he was probably playing heavy skin, trying to get a move, he might have been, but I just think we might be one-dimensional around with him in our 11, but it's a nice dimension to have instead of Grant Alton flipping Yannick Sagbo to watch. <laughs> no, I completely agree. Well, we're going to take a short break, guys. Um, after this, we're going to talk transfers, we're going to talk menu, we're going to talk quizzes, we're going to talk Twitter corner. We'll see you all after a short break. <laughs> Hello and welcome back. Um, so, as we alluded to, we are, I was going to say, as time of recording, um, about eight days uh, left away from the uh, transfer deadline. Uh, um, it slams shut, if we're allowed, we're allowed to still use the, uh, the uh, uh, to use that to expression. Um, so, balls <laughs> in the last week have um, already sold on Rafa Mir to Seville and also... Um, Owen Ottersawi uh, to Club Bruges. I'm now panicking. I've not got that right. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of down to, I wouldn't even call them squad players, to be honest. I think both of them are sort of quite interesting um, players that they've moved on. Um, briefly, Owen Ottersawi. Do we think this one might be a situation where it will bite us back on the arse in five years time when he kind of becomes this mega superstar probably playing over in Germany or do we think it's that Wolves have done the right thing uh, Dan what do you think uh, I think we've probably done the right thing in cashing I don't think he ever had any interest in renewing his contract I think if you look at the way he, what's the word I was going to say swaggered but I'm going to go with ponced around the pitch that crew away he, he acted like he'd already played at Champions League level the way he was bouncing around. He was trying passes that would just weren't on. And to be honest, I think it's it's well known from like athletic articles that his attitude just and his work ethic wasn't there. So to get that sort of money for a player that's got one year left on his contract and probably doesn't really want to be a, a good value for me. From a from an academy point of view, we've we've made good money on him. Yeah. Um Kim, are you sort of similar? I mean, he had that one good display. Was it about half a game against Chelsea, was it? Um, and then we played him up front against Burnley and he's never quite been the same. I was about to say, that's all I remember of him. Just being having that awful, was it 45 minutes? And then he got hauled off. Um, and at the time I felt a bit sorry for him, but now I'm hearing more and more about he was literally late for everything. No, that's a no from me. So I, I'm glad we've got rid cashed yeah. in and, and good values as, as dan said andy like you know he's got a year left to his contract he's not going to be on mega money but three million it's still you know still an extra Something bit for nothing. yeah yeah um i mean there's a chance he could be poor pogba there's also a chance that it, and, and probably more likely that it'll be ravel morrison let's be perfectly honest yeah the attitude of players once they leave the club it it'll be telling it could be that in five years' time he will be a world beater and good on him if he is. But if his attitude's wrong, he'll be Ravel Morrison and he'll still be just arsing around in Europe with no one really willing to take a punt on him anymore. Yeah, um, I, 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 I think I'm still going to follow his career lightly. 
just because I'm, I'm interested because he, he showed those little sparks that you want, but whether it's just a case of he's got some raw natural footballing ability and that's about it. But if you don't, you know, it, it's age-old stuff, isn't it? But if you don't have the, uh, the hard, hard work to match the talent, then mm-hmm. you know, it's only going to win one way. Um, the other uh, departure... It almost feels like a bit of an odd one because he's barely played for a club in a few years. Is Rafamir going for about fifteen million pounds with a chunk of that going to um I cannot pronounce the name of the club. Uh Huesca, is it? Yes, that's it. Thank you, Andy. Um now again, I think it's really good value um for a player again, not much left on his contract. Are you a bit gutted for he didn't stick around and didn't play for Wolves after having a strong season last year. We're down a couple of strikers anyway. We don't have a big squad. Um, or was it right because we'd have had to have given him a big contract to stay and we'd have been a bit stuck with him when he's not necessarily, you know, the most wanted man, I guess. Um, yeah, go on, Andy. Mm, yeah, I, I think that's the right. I think they've done the right thing in moving him on. He wasn't going to sign another contract, so you may as well get some money for him. By all accounts, he didn't want to be in Wolverhampton anymore. So, what's the point in keeping him around just for the sake of it? You know, you'd at least try and get someone who wants to be here and wants to be part of the team. I think, and we've done a great deal on him. And we signed him for what was it, one and a half million? So yeah. we've made tenfold on him. I mean, fantastic. Yeah, you can't. I can't. You can't. Again, argue with the with the numbers behind it, and it it's sort of showing that where the club are aiming to be that sustainable football club. Um, Andy does raise a good point, though, Dan. That Ravmir didn't necessarily want to stay in Wolverhampton. What would your ideas be to get somebody to stay and fall in love with Wolverhampton? Blimey, Rich, that's a good one for a, to. To talk a guy, uh, a Spaniard, staying more around to work basically. We've got heat three days of the year. Uh, yeah, we've had a good summer, to be fair. To be fair, we've had a good summer. I'm, I'm, I'm being derogatory about the, the Paris of the Midlands here. So um, it's a tough one. I, I wouldn't even know where to start trying to sell Wolverhampton to people, maybe live in Birmingham. <laughs> I think that's called pulling a Kim. Um... <laughs> she wishes. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing like going back from Birmingham into Wolverhampton, running past the man on the horse, and you feel like, you know, you're back in the game when you come back from Birmingham. You feel like you're home. So I won't have anything bad said about Wolverhampton. And Ralph, no, you what good things you're about Wolverhampton. <laughs> <laughs> the, tube, the new train station's nice. <laughs> Barriers and everything, isn't it? I know. The, the barriers is a bit of a shame. But, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? Tory government. So, um, anyway, um, we've talked about players going out. Players coming in is still a big question mark. We're getting loosely linked to a billion um, players, but it doesn't feel like anything really concrete, if we're going to be honest. And the ones we've been linked to, it doesn't feel like... I think the latest one I saw, which seems to have a little bit of traction, is uh, Kiefer Moore from Cardiff. Um, and uh, signing a 29-year-old who's only ever played, you know, championship level at best, um, doesn't really feel like it's in line with our recruitment strategy. So it feels like we are just throwing mud at a wall and seeing what sticks at this point. 
um, my question to you guys is with eight days or seven days whenever you listen to this, it could be five whenever you listen to it. Um, I've, I've realised I'm just adding in numbers at the moment, so I'm going to stop. Um, before the end of the transfer window, as of Monday night on the 23rd of August, I'm going really specific now. I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with numbers and here, move track very quickly. Um, how many players do you think we are realistically going to sign, Kim, in the next week? How many do I want or how many do I think we'll sign? We'll do, we'll do both. We'll do both. So how many would you like? Um, that gonna, well, first team players, so we're not going to talk, you know, oh, we've signed a 17-year-old academy prospect. Like players who are going to be first team players. Um, I think in an ideal world, realistic, we need three or four players. We need a centre-back. We need a centre-midfielder. We need another striking option to either play alongside Raul or at least challenge Raul. Um, and then do we need another attacking player? Because if obviously if, if um, Traore is sold and we haven't got Neto, we probably need another sort of attacking midfielder sort of striker who can almost play across the front line. So that's in an ideal world. I actually think we'll probably only sign one or two and there'll be Twitter meltdown. Is my if I was a betting woman, that's what I'd bet. Dan, what do you think, Ben? I think I'd like seven, <laughs> yeah. but, I think be, but I think there'll be two, and I think probably we'll end up probably signing someone like Kiefer Moore just to spend a bit of the Rafa money on someone just to try and get the fans a bit off the back for a, a 12 era period before we all go on to spaces and just have a meltdown. Um, I just, I'm, I've, I've, I have become a bit disillusioned with the recruitment policy. You hear the things again on the uh, before yesterday's game yesterday that Nuno you know, had the chance to sign Yuri Tielemans and said no. We all know he turned down Danny Olmo because we're still led by Mendes. I, I, I'm not going to throw him under the bus too much because we we'd have never got Martino or Patricio or maybe Jimenez at, at Wolves if it wasn't for the guy, but. Until we break away from those shackles, we're just going to have to deal with whatever comes. I really don't want Guedes. I know there'll be people who say he's a good player, but I just, I, I, I don't want Guedes. I think we've got enough cover in those areas, and centre back is the main priority for me. If we stop conceding goals, I think we've got enough artillery going forward now to, to batter a few teams. That you saw that stat saying that we've. We've had the second most amount of shots in the first two games and we've played Leicester and Tottenham who aren't really cannon fodder for conceding efforts. So I mm. think there's there's good prospects for this team. Falson just needs to give Bruno a fighting chance to be a success. Yeah. Andy, um, wants and thinks, I guess. I want for, I think, centre-back, which everyone's mentioned, centre-midfield, just to have a different dimension. We do need a third-choice striker. If that's key for more, so be it. He does offer something slightly different to what we've got. It's not a massive amount of money, so I'd, I'd be fine with it. I wouldn't be elated, but I'd be fine with that one. I would like another option in in and around the front three, so in the Trinko Adama sort of positions maybe because as Dan said before you're looking at two players who are more creative than they are finishers so I do think we need someone who's got a bit more of an attacking impetus we need someone who's got that Dave Edwards light burst into the box about them to just give them something a little bit different um 
realistically, I think we'll probably sign a centre half, and that's about it. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm, I want to sign three or four again, same positions. Worrying that we're a week away from the transfer window ending, and we'll say, yeah, we need to improve the spine of our team, mm. um, and we've not done that at all. Um, if anything, we've, you know, cut players from it like um, Catrone and Silva, um, which kind of does scream that they're, they're obviously wanting to get um, replacements in. I don't know, but you know. A backup striker, which I guess Kiefer Moore is you're right, Andy. It's not a huge amount of money, he, he's never going to be ahead of Jimenez. But actually, you know, if we're looking to knock him more crosses, he is a you know, he is a quintessential target man. Is he even better than Fabio Silva? I prefer to have Silva than Kiefer Moore. He'll be choice. He won't be ahead of Silva either, I don't think. I literally saw this guy at the Euros and he was absolutely... I remember thinking, he's rubbish. He he was like the wealth Meyer off the one game I saw him play. He couldn't even get (laughs) off the ground. He looked like that much of a lump. But I'll tell you now, we could cut short corners out if we had a big lump like him in the box for corners. Yeah, mm. and I, I, I last ten minutes where we've been, you know, we've needed to go gungo, just lump the balls into the box. He is a, an option that Fabio hasn't got at the moment. I still think Fabio Silva is like the future of our club going forward, but it, it's nice to have a, a different option to Fabio at the moment because I don't think he's going to get the game time that he needs to develop properly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I say, I'm not fully convinced but if we sign him we sign him it is a it is literally an extra body how many i think we sign i think we'll get two um again probably a cent half um because i unless he goes with king kilman and bolly i think that that at the moment would be my would be my back um my, my two cent halves um because i don't see us playing a back three all season um i think he's only doing out of necessity at the moment so yeah, another centre half to go alongside Bolly, and I think he'll get another striker in as well, and then reassess in January because we have got Gibbs White, who I think he might just drop back to play in, uh, in centre mid as well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, um, and it's also going to be interesting to see the Twitter meltdowns in next couple of weeks, in the next week or so. So uh, stay tuned for that, everyone. I guess um, right. We won't do a huge bit on Man United because and. You know, cue plug in right now, but we are going to do our own preview show as we started doing last season. Uh, Fancast Fridays, um, where we'll be talking about the United game in more depth, which uh, Dan will be doing. Um, but briefly, sort of just while I've got you all here, to be honest, um, you know, Man United are in great form at the moment. Um, three things I was going to sort of mention. Um, one was about Nevers being rumoured to go there. He seems to have been lightly rumoured to go there, but <laughs> do we think there's any chance that Nevis is going to be suiting up for Man United at the weekend? Or do we think it's not really going to happen between now and, uh, now and the weekend? To be honest, I don't think Man United need him yet. I think maybe come the end of the season when Pogba more than likely moves on, That'll be when they look at Neves. I think at the moment, I, I don't think they'll be making a move. Famous last words, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, Kim, are you sort of fairly confident that Neves ain't moving in, in the next week? Um, I'm never 100% sure. Until the transfer window, you never know, do you? 
I am a little bit twitchy, especially now he's started the season so well. I am a bit worried, but I think you'd like to think that Man United have virtually done their business now. Like they've seemed to have Fred and McTominay. That's that sort of the partnership, the energetic midfield. On paper, it doesn't sound that that exciting, but you know that they've started well. So yeah, I'll be glad when the transfer window is shut. To be honest. In my, yeah. From my perspective, yeah, I think it'll obviously cue the Twitter meltdown because that will definitely happen, really, whatever happens, I can imagine. Um, but, yeah, I just hope we cling on to Traore and Neves. Yeah, it does feel like this year for the first time in a long time that um, it it's just as important about who we keep as much as who we might bring in. Like, I'd almost, I'd almost rather us... Um, not sign anyone but keep Traore and Neves than let's lose both of them but let's say sign four players who might replace them and it'd be that bit of a gamble but we'll see um, starting lineups Dan is there anything you'd change um, from the Spurs game um, or would you sort of mix it up a little bit I'd drop Kilman. I'm, I'm literally just kidding. You, you know me. You know <laughs> when it comes to Kilman. I'm, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna skip past that. It was his side that like Tottenham carved us open from Bergwijn like done him on the touchline. But apart from that, that was probably his best game in the Wolves shirt. So for me, he's probably one of the first names on the, the team sheet after Saw. Um, I don't think there's anyone really on our bench who you could sort of push in. I mean, you could drop Sace and put finish off. The LD, the second half, uh, eight Norris left wing back. But I think the, the 11 that started on uh, yesterday have, have been enough to start again on Sunday. Yeah, yeah Andy, yeah. same for you. Yeah, totally. Can't argue with anything Dan said. Like the, the slight tweaks that you can make, but to be perfectly honest, I think we need to try and be as defensively sound as possible first because we all know the stats about how Man United have been like unbeaten for. Fuck knows how long on the road. Twenty nine so. games in a way, uh, twenty nine away games in a row. They've been unbeaten. It might even be more than that. Yeah, twenty-seven. Yeah, and I heard someone on the radio when I heard that statter. You say, well, yeah, you got to remember they played um, those behind closed doors. It's like, yeah, that accounts for eighteen of them, um, nineteen of them even. So you know, there's still a good chunk of games either side. Um, you know that. It is a it is an intimidating record, but we'll see. Um, right, score predictions. Uh, so, Kim, what do you think the score is going to be against Man United? Do you know what's going to happen? One nil Wolves. You've heard it here first. That okay. is what's I won't be there. But I'll be following <laughs> on the Which is why you think we're going to win. Andy, yeah. how about you? Uh, I, I never like to bet on a Wolves loss, so I'm going to go with one one. I do love that. Whenever I, whenever I predict Wolves to draw, it's usually because I think we actually are going to lose. <laughs> yeah. so I can't bring myself to say it. Dan, how about you? See, I'm different, Richard. I only predict Wolves to draw when I think they're going to win. So I'm saying two all. Jimenez <laughs> <laughs> has got to score the winner at some point. He's got to score the winner at some point. It's just, but this is the game that's probably the most fitting, really, isn't it? He loves scoring against United. Loves it. He loves a big game, doesn't two he? All. <laughs> Two all, um, minus two on one of the sides, I think, in da- Dan's heart. Um, I'm gonna go for two on Wolves. I don't know how we're gonna do it, but uh, yeah, I say uh, 
I think at some point our performances are going to match results and why not against Man United, apart from all the obvious reasons. Right. Um, so we're going to do a quiz now. Um, Dan, the quiz man, is back. Um, so he's thought, yeah, let's do a quiz. So I get to pass over hosting duties for a little bit to uh, to Dan. Right. So you, you've all got one. You've all got two questions. You've got your standard walls trivia and then you've got your answer smash round, which everyone loves. And I know you all do. Andy loves it more than most. Um, it's it's a 20-year special uh, first round is because we're all middle-aged now, especially Kim. Um, so, yeah, 2001-2002 season. I'm going to come to you first, Rich. So, how old were you in 2001, Rich? In 2001. In, in the 2000-2001 two, season. 2001-2002 season, this is. Oh, to the 2 season. Uh, to the 2 I'd have been nine. Yeah, no, from there, you, were, you, you weren't wiping your own bum then, so you have sound conscious as far as I'm concerned. I was going to say, that was the season, if I remember correctly, that Muscat got the sending off against Grimsby and we lost to Norwich in the playoffs. Is that right? Good enough for me. Just okay, I, I feel like I've oversold my knowledge here now. Yep. So, <laughs> the first question is, Wolves started the 2001-2002 season with a two-all draw at home to Portsmouth. Can you name both of our scorers that day? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's go for... Um, no, it would have been too early for storage. Let's go Ludo Pole. And had we had signed... Maybe Nathan Blake. Did we sign Blake at that point? Yeah, I'll go Nathan Blake. I think they're both wrong, but I feel like I've at least got the years right. I think Nathan Blake re- replaced this striker late into the window, if I'm correct. The two goals scored. Do Kim or Annie want to try and offer an answer to this? I think Cedric Roussel was the one who Nathan Blake replaced. That would have been one. I don't know the other scorer. Kim? What's the game again? What game? Two, Portsmouth 2, August 2001. Are you not going to give us a clue? No, you're on a verified Twitter Wolves fancast podcast. You should know. Is, is it your favourite, the winger wonder that was Mark Kennedy? It was, and it was the other one, Sean Newton. <sighs> right, Andy, this one's going to fucking knock your socks off, this question is. <laughs> Wolves were knocked out of the first round of the League Cup 2-1 at home by which side and who got our consolation goal? Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> was it, let's say, Morecambe and Mark Kennedy? No. Kim, just, Kim and Rich, just, just have a random guess at these. So I think, think lower league sides and a midfielder. Okay. Uh, what year was it, did you say? 2001. It's a 20-year special round. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Colin Cameron. And, and you need to name a lower league side as well. Yeah, Okay, you're both wrong. Yeah. Rich? Oh, near go now. Um, so, midfielder, who have we have had at that point? Bloody hell. Um, Keith Andrews. No, uh, we'll go Carl Robinson. And it was against Oldham. 
No. Ah. The correct answer was Swindon Town. Okay. And, and Tony Dinning. Oh, oh, How can you forget a gifted midfielder like that, people? Bloody hell. I don't right. think I ever saw him I played a charity match with Tony Dillon, and I'll tell you something. What a bloke he was in the dressing room, top off, gold chain. I thought he's a bloke that knows a bit about football. <laughs> Did he still have it? He, oh, oh, there's a video of him like passing the ball to me, and then oh, then it shows that oh, I used to have it. Right, Kim, your question is. Who was our record signing that season and who did we sell Tamori Ketsboyer to? We sold Tamori Ketsboyer to Newcastle, didn't we? No, we signed him for Newcastle. We? I was going to say, that was going to be my guess, to be fair. We signed him from Newcastle, we sold him to this team. Flipping heck, I think it was a foreign team, wasn't it? F- it was a UK-based team, that's all I'm saying. Oh, I got clear. Okay, so who's our, who's our record signing last season? Because I'm taking Newcastle as your answer because we ain't got much time. Because love. Um, uh, okay, uh, record signing was Dean Sturridge. No, Rich. I don't know the team, um, so I'm just going to pass. Um, record signing, it, it would have been far too late for Akin Baye. Um, Kenny Miller, no, ah. it was Kenny Miller, uh, mm, three million, yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, because we signed Mark Kennedy in the summer, yeah, and then we signed Kenny for three. Yeah. I know we we sold Ketsbyer to someone in Scotland, but for the life of me, I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I, I, I did. I didn't read. I didn't word the question right on my phone. I meant like this January, this the summer transfer window. I think we signed Kenny Miller permanently in the January. I think. Yeah, we did. Yeah, or in the winter because he broke his collarbone at first. So it was a bit of a technicality. So you don't you don't get any points for stealing anyway. So as far as you're concerned, you're on zero at the moment. <laughs> Heading into everyone's favourite round, which is the Answer Smash round. So, to all the new listeners out there, Answer Smash is like pretty much Richard Osman's House of Cards, House of Games. Yeah, on yeah. BBC yeah. Two every night at six pm. Enjoy it; it's a nice family show. So, the question would be: Which former Wolves player would be a demolition vehicle? So, the answer would be Steve Bulldozer. So, you have to pick find the Wolves player and attach it to. Whatever the other answer is, and mix them together. I hope you all understand that. So the first one is. Did I come to you first, Richard? It didn't I? You did, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, promising fullback and superstar Scottish DJ. Um. And it's like you've got. By the time I've gone all these fingers down to give me an answer I, I know the Scottish DJ I cannot I know something I, I don't want anyone to steal when I say it but it's going to be something Calvin Harris um from um Yang Carney Hoover Calvin no no the answer we've already talked about him all night it's Mark Calvin Harris <sighs> Hang on, how did you describe the player? Did you say promising? 
he's promising. Obviously, he's, he's going to be a contender for player of the season, as far as I'm oh, concerned. He's he's like a young player, though. Yeah, not like a, a kid. That feels horrible. I'm the quiz master. <laughs> Andy, I know you love a bit of the 90s. Portuguese Wolf and band who sang the 90s classic Truly Madly Deeply. Truly Madly Deeply was Savage Garden. So, 90s Robbie Robbie Savage Garden? Yeah, but he's not a Wolves player. I said Portuguese Wolf. Oh, did you? Sorry, I didn't hear the first, but I just said player. Um, it works, though. I mean, fair, fair it, it does, player, yeah. Because yeah. like... the only Portuguese I can think of wouldn't have been in the 90s. Um, yeah, or he's sorry, a player. He just, yeah, just a Portuguese player. doesn't need to be from the 90s. Oh, Nothing we had a Portuguese player in the 90s. Uh, that's right, because the only one I could think of back then would have been like Silas from the early 2000s. So is it like Ruben Neves Savage Garden? No. It's it's Jose Savage Garden. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Honestly. <laughs> This wouldn't happen on any other Wolves podcast. They'd get it straight away and they'd be in spicy celebrating it. Is that Kim. a nightclub? Yeah. It's cool. next to... Um, it's the back of Kipsy's. <laughs> you say it's the back of Faces. <laughs> God, Faces. Came to steal and win the quiz. On, Striker. Man, Striker who could get you into your house. A what? Wolves, a striker. Former Wolves Striker who could get you into your house. Richard Keys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for support, everyone. This is going to be the last episode of the Wolves Podcast. <laughs> a good one. I'm Keys. What has Richard Keys got to do with Wolves? <laughs> right, you, you're more crap at the quiz. The correct answer was Adam Proud Locksmith. Um. And that's the end of the quiz. Smith, I don't get that at the end. Why Locksmith. Proud? Locksmith. Proud Locksmith. Uh, Jesus Christ. Who have you got full-time jobs? Rich, you've got a kid. What's going wrong with the world anyway? Yeah, it means I can't hold on to all this. It, I'm sorry I don't call a 32 fullback promising. <laughs> <laughs> Promising, gonna win, gonna win player of the year. I, I, I'm not gonna put it up to the um, independent review panel, but you know, sort it out, Dan. Um, right, should we do some questions from Twitter corner to to calm down? Uh, thank you, everybody who's messaged in on uh, Twitter. I say Twitter corner. We've got some from um, the good old Instagram as well. Um, Kind of like Muller Corner. We've gone for the Kenny Miller Corner. The Kenny Muller Corner. Okay, uh, let's have a quick couple from Instagram first. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, if we sell Adama, um, where do we finish? And more importantly, where do the goals come from? Um, I mean, I think the goals come from everywhere else because he's not scored any. That, that yeah, sounds a bit... Very accurate. Harsh, I mean, it's but... Jimenez is who we're relying on anyway, isn't it? So, yeah. 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 The goals come from Jimenez and we finished 12. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, uh, a good one here, and I think it's an interesting one, is 
if you had um if you have a choice to make two additions, would you rather them be at squad level or boardroom level? Squad level. Like squad. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, like boardroom level realistically we, we know that Jeff ho holds the uh, the keys to the the kingdom, so Unless you're literally replacing those at the very, very top, which isn't going to happen. You just want players on the pitch, don't you? No, yeah, the way yeah. we're recruit, we'd probably get Moxie back. <laughs> oh, can you imagine? The fume. Yeah, it'd be ridiculous. Like, we'd have to do it like at a night game. So, and with like under the lights and do like a whole light show. Or um, we do it from when um, Shane McMahon made that comeback in wrestling once and maybe the here comes the money and he comes out and maybe moxie does the dance as well and, and i would hate to see that to be fair that and he's smiling like a proud dad at me for knowing us <laughs> a little wrestling. bit yeah <laughs> at the wrestling <laughs> i sound like my, i was gonna say i sound like my mum or something like that at the football um right let's see um when was the la uh, Connor Colin Brenner asks? When was the last time you saw Wolves play that good and lose? Last um, week. Apart last from time we played Tottenham. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. And yeah. we lost one nil. Yeah, I think same. Lost two one, didn't we? Yeah. Um, do, 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 do Jack Finch. Um, how strong do you think the team should be against Forest? So it's an opening round. I mean, they're not, they've not started the season at all well, Forrest, but do you think we should go fully on just playing the development squad or, you know, play the likes of Dong, MG Dubs um, and Silver and give sort of a bit of solidity as well? Yeah, I'd go with that. I'd also I'd put Trinko on as well, just because I think like it's a good test against the championship level team. Who, who are going to get stuck in and Forrest are going to want the win as much as we are to be perfectly honest so I'd make sure I'd put someone like Trinko in and give some of the yeah you want the fringe players but you don't want like the real you don't want like, the Luke Kundals if you can get away with it no disrespect to Luke Kundal obviously but like those other players need a bit more game time than he does yeah. I'll be so annoyed if we go out in the, this round already because we need a cup run, don't we? I know we say it every season, but again, we're probably going to be mid-table, so we need some excitement in our lives. And as much as anything, those players need the game time that the Premier League's not going to afford them. So you are right that it's better that the longer we stay in the cup, it's just beneficial all round, isn't it? And we need to start getting some confidence back with the first team. Mm. So forget playing like academy players give players as you said like donk mgw silver but still keep the players the majority of the squad of the team that they've been playing in the first two games and get their confidence up a bit you know three or four nil and on to the next round yeah um over to twitter and i completely forgot to mention it earlier because i decided to talk about transfers and get confused um with days of the week um nag over on Twitter, who is a big-time um, listener to the show and regular contributor to All Things Fancast, who now does um, a Wolves uh, Women podcast as well. Um, he's asked a, a question about um, their upcoming game because it's Black Country Derby. We're playing the Albion, um, but it, they've moved the venue 
to uh, the CKW Stadium, AFC Wolfroonians um, ground. It's on Wednesday night. I think if you're a season ticket, you season ticket holder, you go free. It's not massive amounts if you fancy going to watch some football midweek if the weather's all right. So I just want to make sure I'd get that pitching for him and do him a quick favour. But he does say, do you think we're going to beat the shite um, on Wednesday? Yes, purely because that seems to be where all the money from our club seems to be going at the moment. Every time you see their Twitter page, they're signing another player. Yeah, they are like the women seem to be doing really well. Like they're quite they're positive. In, yeah, they've invested well. I saw the signed another striker last um, week who's got like some really good goal scoring record until she's done a cruciate. So they're obviously spending money. And to be fair, they've got a bit of momentum. The women's team have. They were unlucky not to get promoted like two years ago. They're finally in the league where they need to be, and I think they've got a good squad now. Up the Babettes. <laughs> Completely great. Um, Brad is over on Twitter and he, he's made an interesting question and then given a bad example, in my opinion. So he said, are there any free transfers out there that you'd take on the chance that, um, you know, that they could be good because they've got, you know, not a lot of resale value, but they're free. And he gives the example of Daniel Storage. Um, would, I, I don't know which players are still available on free transfers. I'll level with you. Um, because I didn't bother researching um, from after seeing the question. But would you dip into any free transfers if there were any at this point? Or is it a bit of a football manager theoretical thing? Surely all of the surely all of the good free transfers will have gone by now. Daniel yeah. Sturridge is on about he was on about seventy or eighty K, wasn't he still? Yeah. And- like and he's injury prone, so for me absolutely not I'd rather play you're better off than me and Daniel Sturridge I'd agree with that to be honest I think Daniel Sturridge is terrible like yeah you, you just guaranteed to get about 10 minutes worth of football out of him per year it's a bit of a waste of time uh, as for the question Kim's right I'd imagine most of the better quality free transfers will have moved on because clubs will want to get them in before their season starts so there isn't going to be many left i've just done a really quick look on google and like david alaba is he still a free agent no he's at real madrid is he oh is he going to real is it okay yeah <sighs> there doesn't seem to be much out there there's a few who've gone on to barca who obviously they can't <laughs> register so maybe we could have memphis to pie off them because they can't play him so we can have him i suppose yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give him some minutes, I, I guess. I'll be yeah. happy with that. Um, Dan, any final thoughts on it, or as he says, as he says, muted. I mean, we could just keep him like that. To be fair, no, but... I'm getting my saying. <laughs> I've had a look at transfer market. All the players that are decent are old now. You're looking at Jerome Boateng, who's 32. Hatem Benar for 34. Frank Ribery, 38. Everyone's old. We're old. There's no good players left. Jack Wilshire, David Luiz is never going to come here because he just get lynched before he even touched it down at Compton. There's no good free agents left. Shokrudan Mustafi. Um, there's just literally no one left. I think, like Kim said, she'd probably want to be one of the front runners for us to sign over these old ass dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, yeah, actually, none of those names. I was going to say maybe Jerome Broteng, but 
I didn't really rate him when he was young, let alone when he's now probably past his peak. But we'll end the show on that really, un- well, I was going to say not exactly positive notes. So big thank you, everyone who has watched, listened and enjoyed today's show. Um, big thanks to, again, 90 Min uh, Football. Make sure you check out all their stuff online as well um as we've mentioned we've got the man united man united game coming up we've got the end of a transfer window um fast approaching we've also got the forest game as well next week so keep an eye on all of our social medias at wolves fancast um we'll be back on friday uh, for fancast fridays where we'll be previewing uh the the man united game um ahead of it the weekend and hopefully we get to see you all soon so um for this time it's goodbye from kim bye-bye it's goodbye from andy see you later it's goodbye from dan and it's goodbye from me see you next time the united states border patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to twenty thousand dollars in recruitment incentives learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp you see it every day the first dollar you earned from your first customer now it hangs on your wall at headquarters a reminder of where you started and the promise of what's still to come in part because you rely on sandy spring bank to help you make the right choices on real estate and equipment loans, treasury management, and commercial services. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your business. Visit sandyspringbank.com business. Credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank.